Hello and welcome to Open Wide TO, a podcast that aims to share the experiences of QT BIPOC youth and navigating Toronto's sexual health and wellness resources. Uh, through storytelling and dialogue, this podcast hopes to highlight the lack of information, the barriers to accessibility, and the lack of representation of QT BIPOC communities in our mainstream healthcare system. For today's episode, we have the lovely Bethany Daniels. Woo, say hello! Hi, how's it going, Hannah? It's going well. Um, for any of our listeners who might not be familiar with who Bethany is, uh, Bethany works as a peer counselor and a coach based in Toronto. They identify as Black, trans, and queer, and they have previously worked as a performer, a childcare worker, a sex educator, a facilitator, a producer, and an artist, and the list goes on. <laughs> <laughs> They have plenty of expertise and skills, um, and they use their expertise and skills to provide inclusive and low-cost counseling, uh, and they bring an intersectional and trauma-informed lens to connect with and to support their clients. Hopefully I did you justice. (laughs) Yeah, that was amazing. I don't even think that, like, I I think that that's, like, better than I would ever describe myself, so that's fantastic. It's it's describing you, and... (laughs) You are just awesome as a human being, and I'm so excited to uh, get to know you a little bit better through this episode. So, yeah. Hey, um, just in case if I missed anything, or if you want to add anything um, to uh, your background, um, I'll just let you elaborate. And if you want to share anything more with the listeners, yeah, no, you did a really wonderful job. Um, yeah, I think that my story is not dissimilar to many people many like uh, millennial and Gen Z kids where it's just like, yeah, I've done a lot of things because um, I've done a lot of things because sometimes you have to have several jobs at once. And um, yeah, my life coaching and peer counseling is um, something I started, I kind of gathered up all of my skills from all of the other things I've done. And um, yeah, now I'm applying that to uh, counseling and it's, it's a very, it's been very like wonderful and rewarding. So I'm super happy. Uh, I'm super happy I'm here. Hey, yeah. um, may I ask, is there a particular reason why you went into counseling? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, um, so uh, yeah. So my background comes from like, I've been, I do a lot of like specialized sex retail. So I've worked at um, Come As You Are, Good For Her, uh, The Nookie, King Toronto. And so a lot of um, the last five years, I've spent a lot of time having like pretty intimate personal conversations with people about um, about sex and sexuality and like desire and like sexual health as well. And I realized that like there's conversations that you can have on the sales floor that are like appropriate and you can kind of get the job done of like, you know, helping someone find like maybe a toy that you like. But what I found was I was also I I was also having conversations with people that were a little bit more um, like that were a little bit deeper than that like things that you know unfortunately a dildo would not fix. So um, <laughs> I wanted to um, and and like that's my favorite part of the job. My favorite part is connecting with people, talking to people about like what they like and what makes them feel good. So um, yeah, like when I was looking at like how I wanted to apply those skills in other ways. I realized that peer counseling um, is a really great, it's a really great way to have the conversations that I've already been having, but to provide it in a space that's more structured and more private and um, yeah. And just like very like focused, like focused and like just without the idea that there's something to sell at the end of the day or something to, or like an idea that a product that I'm going to send you home with is going to like, like, you know, is going to like fix things. And like, yeah, there, it, like, and so when I started counseling, I realized that like being able to provide space to have those like 
those like intimate conversations with these with people and like to help them like sort of understand themselves better it means that like when i'm at work and i'm still selling stuff on the floor i can have um you know i can have interactions that are a little bit more boundaryed and just focused on like where we are in that moment so it was a thing that it was it was a, a thing that i wanted to partially to provide a service for people that um like for a population that i saw a need in but also partially so i could um so that I was like, you know, holding good boundaries with myself and I was doing like the right jobs at the right places. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I especially like the fact that um, you tailor to the customer as a whole and not necessarily like what they're seeking in that moment. Um, yeah. Just, yeah, providing for them as like a person as opposed to I am uh, a worker in the store and I'll make commission if you buy this particular product. Exactly. I will say I've literally never made commission in my life, but the, the, sometimes the sometimes that that like energy is there of just being mm-hmm. like, okay, like how like what would you like? What do you need? And like I kind of like to and like and luckily all of the places I've worked and the places I work now are not where have never been like focused on like sale like on like selling products. But mm-hmm. you know when you are in that environment when you're in a retail environment, like you can't escape that that's the purpose of the interaction. So. Yeah. yeah, that's a common misconception that I have. Anytime yeah. uh, an employee comes to me at a store, I'm like, do I need to say your name at the cashier before I exit? <laughs> yeah, that's that's very real. <laughs> All right. Um, so a lot of folks, when they think of just health in general, they first probably think of physical health. And then now with society, rightfully so, um, we are also including mental health. But another area of health that some folks might not immediately think of would be sexual health. Yeah. Um, if you'd like, would you like to talk about the role that uh, sexual health has in our overall health? Yeah, absolutely. So, sexual health is really interesting because, um, like, sexual health interacts with, like, with, like, just like mental health, physical health, and sexual health. I think we sometimes try to, we try to pull them apart, but it's all stuff that's going on in your body. It's all stuff that's happening with you. And so um, if you're to take one part of that, like if you are to like, you know, if you're eating amazing, running 10 miles every day, like doing all of this wonderful stuff, but you never, you know, you never talk to someone when you feel depressed and you never like express it when you feel sad or hurt, like no matter how much you put into that physicality, you're still going to, you know, you're still going to run into problems because you also have to like, you know, you have to loop uh, your mental health in. It goes the same where, um, you know, you can go to all the therapy in the world and like, you know, like go to, like, you know, to be the most open emotional person ever. But like, you know, if you, if you like never ever drink water, or, like never have a vegetable or never go on a walk, you know, you're still not going to be like, like, you know, you're not going to be, uh, you're not going to be, you're not going to feel that balance. And then like, I think sexual health is a really interesting thing because for me, um, it is that like really intersection of um, physical and mental because like it's something that's happening with your body, it's happening with your like erogenous zones. But also, um, I don't think that we realize how much um, like mental health and being in a good mental spot. Um, that stuff that is that those are things that like really like um, those are things that really like increase and like um, enhance like your sexuality and enhance your sexual experience. And um, also at the same time, like if you don't if you're not aware of your um, your body and if you're not aware of like how to have safe sex and if you're not aware of like like what the potential risks are in situations you're getting into, 
um, you know, you can, you know, you can like get sick or get chronic illnesses or get like STIs and things. And sometimes like this, honestly, like luckily we live in 2020 um, in a country with healthcare. So it's not the same kind of urgency of like, like if you get gonorrhea, it's, you're gonna die. Like it's not, it's not that situation, but um, yeah, it can really affect, um, it can really affect your mental and physical health if you are, um, if you are like, you know, if you're not taking care of your, if you're not taking care of your sexual health and if you're not able to talk about it or you're not able to like, um, yeah, engage with that side of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you touched on uh, that if you're not able to talk about it, oftentimes, and from my cultural background, uh, conversations about sexual health are like an absolute like no-no, yeah. um, that there are things that you don't bring up or there are yeah. things that you are assumed to know, but oh my God. an actual, I yeah. Like, like, whoever showed me this, who taught me, like, when would I have gotten, like, when would this information have come to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, especially with, like, education in high school, it's like, abstinence is the only way in the right way. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> conversation about high school all over again um that classroom environment um but for anyone who might want to have a conversation about sexual health um like how should they go about having those conversations who should they turn yeah. to or approach yeah so like especially in communities like of like poc like i kind of want to talk about a little bit like sometimes what's happening like when we try to have those conversations um I know that we were talking a little bit in like our pre-interview about like stigma and like what role that takes in sexual health and um you know like stigmatization and um like to stigmatize something is to take something that is kind of like morally neutral and like um and to ascribe like you know bad ideas on it or to like uh, create a culture of like fear around the thing and um I think that the thing that's like really important for like uh, like communities and POC who are looking to like have these conversations is to like, for me, I always like to start it from a place of understanding and openness and like, and like for me, that means that we kind of have to talk about like why we stigmatize things like as communities and in families and things. And like, I think the situation, like this is like, I think that what happens for a lot of like um, POC is that when we are like underserved with things such like uh, with like if we're underserved in healthcare, if we are underserved in education, um, and if we're underserved with like you know like mental health support, um, sometimes stigma is something that we use to like sometimes stigma is something that we use as a way to keep ourselves safe. So it's like if you have like a parent who's like an immigrant or like a new Canadian who like maybe doesn't have a super great handle on like the language, like on English, or like maybe if you're someone who, um, you know, is living like, like who, who's like low income and like just maybe doesn't have like access and like has to work all the time, like doesn't have access to like be around and have these in-depth conversations. Sometimes the way that we can pass on messages um, to our kids and stuff is by using stigma and shame. So like um, if you take like, it's kind of heavy, but like if you take the AIDS crisis, um, mm-hmm. for example, um, there was uh, there was this 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 understanding that like the virus, like HIV virus, like mostly like like had a disproportionate um, effect on uh, communities that they call like 4H, so like uh, heroin users, hemophiles, so like people who have to get a lot of blood in- transfusions, mm-hmm. Haitians, and homosexuals. So like 
if yeah. you look at sort of the POC like intersection of that and you look at like people who are like, you know, coming over um, and just like, you know, not having the resources they need. If you don't have time to say like, hey, there's this like, there's this mysterious virus that seems to be disproportionately affecting like our community. We don't have any information about it. Nobody, it's nobody's real priority to like make, take care of us through it. And we only kind of know that it's like vaguely passed through sex. Like mm-hmm. if you don't have the information you need about like, this is how to use a condom. This is how to have a conversation. Sometimes the tool you'll use is being like sex bad. We don't do sex. Like we're not going to have sex, you know? Yeah. You and, reduce it to like the simplest thing. Yeah. And that exactly. can be harmful. Yeah. And it's like, and you see that like in other places too, because it's like another thing that we do have to protect ourselves from is like having kids when we're not ready. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, sometimes instead of being like, Hey, like, you know, you need to make an informed decision about whether you want to have protected or unprotected sex and think about like, you know, what this is going to lead to in the future. Sometimes we're, we're, we're just like sex, evil, sex, bad, premarital sex, like bad, because it's like, then you don't have to have all of these nuanced conversations. And so if we can kind of like come from a place of understanding like why we stigmatize, it's easier to stop doing it because like, yeah, like it does there, like it is oftentimes like, especially when done within POC communities, it is, it is, it does often have like the goal is to protect ourselves and the goal is to protect each other. The reason that we can't keep doing it is because it doesn't work. Um, Stigmatizing is based on shaming and based on making like the per like making people who um, are in stigmatized communities like it's it's sort of like what it does is like it builds a wall around them and it says just like don't become like those people don't become like those people because you're going to lose your community you're going to lose your health like you're going to lose like all of these things that are important to you and then you're going to be part of them and they're dirty and they're bad and like that doesn't actually work because if we make mistakes like there's not that like there's not that moment of just being like oh you can make a mistake and come back from it and be okay it's like literally very much just like if you mess this up then you're one of them and a lot of people um you know shame like actively just like doesn't work to like to like it's just not it's not an effective tool for like growth and change so if people already feel bad about like they feel bad about sex they feel that they want to have sex they don't have any information about how to have sex safely and they know that if they ask or if they like look for more information, they're probably going to be like ostracized by their community. Mm-hmm. Like your option usually is to like go into secret and do things like do things like secretly or just to like sometimes like pretend that you don't want the thing until you're in a situation and then you make risky decisions. So like for me, like when I think about like stigma and like why it's so important to like have these conversations with like with like not necessarily like everyone in your life, but it's important to have these conversations because otherwise like you kind of end up putting yourself at risk and then you just don't even have a support system because you don't like you know like you were like your your whole contingency plan was to just not do the thing so like anyway that was (laughs) that's the part one of the question of like what's happening but then um yeah so like I think the other side of that is just like to combat stigma you have to make um you have to have interactions with people that really um that really that are just like you're open about the fact that the goal is not to shame like the goal is not to make you feel bad the goal is not to make people who um have you know chronic health stuff or like stis or like like to not make those people feel bad but to just sort of like like understand like what's happening and like what's going on it's a really important goal to like destigmatize because you know stigmatization and shame doesn't work 
And when you're looking at how to, um, when you're looking at how to create an environment that's that, that like you're able to do that work of destigmatization in, um, yeah, like what I did is I kind of had to learn that manually. Like I had to learn like, like, okay, if this doesn't work, what does? And like, yeah, so over the year, and what's really interesting is like my background in like performance and like stand-up comedy and childcare and stuff, there that gave me a lot of opportunities to like try different things to see like what is it like if I go through destigmatization mm -hmm. by making fun of myself? What is it like if I like if I combat destigmatization by learning a whole bunch of things? Like what is what happens if I combat destigmatization by like focusing on pleasure and things that feel good? What how like what is it like um tackling destigmatization with like a young person who's like learning about the world like you know so it's like there's I've, I've had a lot of experience um um like just you know trying to actively create spaces where uh you know we can foster love and care instead of shame and um mm -hmm. yeah the things that I kind of keep coming back to are like when you are trying to create an environment that's safe to talk about difficult things you want to and this is like this is how I this is how I've kind of structured my counseling um my counseling practice so what we offer is privacy, um, kindness, non-judgment, and um, consistency. And so when you look at that and you look at like sexual health and talking to like and POC talking to sexual, like talking about sexual health, you kind of want to look at your community and you want to look at like, you want to look at people in your life that you feel, um, you know, that you maybe feel comfortable creating those spaces with. So it might not look like a parent necessarily, or like a grandparent, but it could look like a brother, a, like a cousin, a um, like an aunt or an uncle, um, just like maybe someone who has like a little bit of space from things. And yeah, I think that that's like, I think that's mm -hmm. like a good way to start. <laughs> No, I agree. I especially like the uh, the non-judgmental elements and um, having conversations with someone who might not be part of that immediate family mm -hmm. unit that you have, um, because you, that one step removal allows for you to have someone that you can still trust and has the same kind of cultural or um, uh, community background as you, but they're not going to be interacting with you every single day and like judging you for your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, and I... Uh, I kind of did a little bit of research, <laughs> um, but I uh, I saw that you had um, a forum or like a like an mm -hmm. anonymous question page um, called Dear Me, um, and I, yeah, um, and I saw it. I went through some of the responses, and I really do appreciate the fact that you take the non-judgmental approach, but you also take an educational approach because a lot of folks they don't have someone that they can like something that might seem like a silly question for someone who is educated and is aware about. Um, issues in the, the QT BIPOC community, um, a silly question might be a question that they're like is lingering in their mind for who knows how long, but they don't have anyone to actually turn to and address that question. So they're going to continue on with that misconception, that misinformation. Um, so I appreciate you actually like um, having a space for even the anonymous folks to um, get their questions answered. Yeah. No, that's like a really good, like, I think that like, that's like such a great part of like the internet. Like, yeah. And a really interesting thing too is like, um, I think that like, 
with the like with the idea of like talking to so yeah so when you talk about like privacy non-judgment uh kindness and consistency like those are all things that you can like ask for from people when you're talking to them about things that are like like you know uncomfortable and stuff mm -hmm. so like for instance like if you were to go to like like this is not going to happen for like most people but if you were if you were to go to your mom mm -hmm. and say like hey um, I have a question. Like you're totally allowed to put up boundaries for yourself and to just say like, Hey, I have a question. I feel nervous and uncomfortable asking you, but it would really make me feel better if I knew that you could set aside judgment and just hear this question. And like that way that kind of comes in like twofold because the, the best option is that the person takes you at face value and is like, yeah, okay. And then like the worst option is like they immediately judge you. And then, um, but in like, at least in that case, you've asked them for it. You've been really upfront about it and you don't have to do that whole thing of like, oh yeah, haha, ha, I was joking. Like if someone, if you're just like, for instance, like, what should I do? Like, hey mom, I need to buy condoms. What should I do? And your mom's just like, no, we're not buying condoms. Like this is like, you're not having sex. We're not doing that. Mm -hmm. Then you can be like, okay, mom. I asked you, like, I'm looking for this information so I can like live life safely. I love you. I'm going to go ask someone else, mm -hmm. you know? And then if she, like, if your parent is able to just be like, yeah, this is a difficult conversation, but like, let's go into it. Then at least you, at least they know, and you know, sort of like what you're expecting out of it. So that can be helpful, but it's absolutely, but um, I think that also like when you're looking for just like education and when you're looking for like facts, like sometimes like, yeah, like going to trusted online sources can be really, really helpful. And it can really, really like arm you with the, um, the information that you need to just like continue having these conversations, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any tips for folks who are navigating the online resources? Because like, there's like a plethora online. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> things that they should like look out for or like some sites that you might want to recommend. Yeah, absolutely. So like things to look out for are, um, so the internet's good for like several different things. The internet's really good for um, the infer the internet's good for like getting you facts about things. The internet's good for giving you personal experiences, and the internet's like really good for giving you bias. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you kind of have to. Um, when I navigate the internet, um, I like to. So like, if I'm ever looking for information about something, like a big thing for me is like trying to find like things that are like publicly or like government funded information. Um, there's a really great website called Scarletine, which is like, it's for, um, it's, it's like intended for like younger people in their like late teens um, and early twenties, but it's just got a lot of like really great information. Um, there are a lot of like, you will find information that's kind of coming from, like I say that you want stuff that's kind of like publicly or like, government funded when possible because they have um they have like standards of things that they can publish they don't always get it right mm -hmm. but um the thing that you will find on the internet a lot is information that's put out by um like by people who are trying to like sell something so yeah. if you're reading about information like you know if you're if you're for instance like um reading about condoms and you like want to know how to use condoms and you go onto a website that's like selling condoms um they're you know they're they want you to buy their condoms yeah. right so you might they might like uh give you information that's either like uh like you know information with bias so that and like a lot of like a lot of um sex toy companies and a lot of um a lot of information that is like 
that has to do with like, you know, selling something. We like uh, shame and stigma doesn't work for growth, but shame and stigma really sells. Like yes, it, it really, like if you, yeah, it's like, it, cause it's, it really taps into that part of us that like, you know, wants to be safe. So if, if, if like a marketing company is just like, this is a problem that we've created, but don't worry, here's the solution. Like you, like, you know, it's, it's easy to get people to buy stuff that way. So, um, so yeah, so I would definitely go for like, uh, and also like, if you look up, um, if you Google like therapists, life coaches, counselors, a lot of them will have, um, will have a list of like, a lot of them keep a blog or we'll have like a list of uh, resources that you can, that they've kind of like uh, picked for you. So like, that's also like a really good thing. Like sort of um, you can like type in like, like therapist, my, like, that's like my background. So I could like go like Jamaican Caribbean therapist who works with gender issues. And then I can find like, you know, I can find some people and um, yeah. And like, you can use those resources to find out other information. Um, there is like one thing I will say about the store that I work at, uh, come as you are, uh, we're like a worker owned co-op. So, um, we really have this big, uh, we have a big, uh, we love inf- like, we love like sharing information. So if you ever go to come as you they actually have a list of PDFs. Um, and they're just like, they're just like really quick, easy resources about like safe sex, condoms, toys, lube, Kegel exercisers, like anal stuff, like anything that you need. We have like a nice little like piece of information on it and um yeah so like I would say if you're looking on the internet try and try and look to find information from like a source that kind of like speaks to you or like shares your experience a little bit or like look for yeah like look for websites that are um you know that are put out by yeah like put out by like nonprofit organizations or organizations that are looking to educate rather than looking to sell products mm-hmm. and then um the other thing that's really great about the internet is that you can find people's personal experiences yeah so you can find posts on forums you can find posts on like blogs you can like look in facebook groups and you can sort of connect with people who are going through stuff that you're going through um i think that this is like a really good that's like also a really good step of like destigmatizing because when we like like a big barrier that a lot of people face is just like feeling like you're literally the only person going through something and like not understanding that like you know the things that you feel and experiencing and experience are probably going on with other people too Mm -hmm. so um the internet like I 100% would not go on the internet looking for personal experience and use that as like instructions but if you're having weird feelings if you're like if it's something that's sort of like um yeah, if you're having good feelings, if there's things that you want to do or try that you don't really, like, you don't know how it would look to try it, or you don't know, like, or, or, or like, if you pick up something that's, like, maybe if you're watching porn, and you're, like, oh, my gosh, I kind of want to try that. I wonder what that's like. Like, you can go and look for people's personal experiences and hear people talking about how it went for them. And, um, you know, that information, again, like that information I wouldn't use as like instruction, but it really can help foster this feeling of like, hey, I'm not the only person here. I'm not the only queer person here. I'm not the only POC here. I'm not the only person who like is feeling this thing and experiencing this thing. So yeah, uh, that's what I would say. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that was great. Um, Yeah, because I definitely feel that, especially with just how our society functions, it's very much individualized where we don't have the confidence or the courage to actually share some of those like 
with social social media especially everyone's just like putting out their positive stories oh my gosh um, and very rarely do you ever see someone become vulnerable online because that opens them up to like they 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 might have friends or people in their support system that they don't want knowing about what they're going through because the internet is anonymous you can have anonymous haters kind of attacking you or finding your your post unless you are a private account yeah but it's it's very hard to be vulnerable um especially online so for anyone who might not have an immediate support system around uh around them or uh don't doesn't feel confident with uh sharing their story or asking questions online yeah um i know that you yourself are a coach and a counselor <laughs> yeah um, yeah great transition <laughs> um if you just want to if you just want to speak about us too um why if someone doesn't have a support system around them or if they can't do online why would it be important to seek out a coach or a counselor uh, especially having conversations about uh, sexual health and just destigmatizing sexual health in general absolutely so like yeah no honestly so when i kind of come back to those things that like foster growth as opposed to like shame the reason like that I became a coach is because I didn't realize like how valuable it is to have a space that's like private, kind, non-judgmental and consistent. And like, I found myself, um, you know, I found myself popping into friends' lives and like talking to them and having these like nice conversations and feeling like really connected. But then sometimes, um, you know, I'm the kind of friend who like, I'm the kind of friend who sometimes can be like, uh, let's meet up every six months and talk for four hours and then ah, see you later. So like, um, I've had these situations where I have these like really vulnerable open conversations with people. And then I come and talk to them again a year later and they're like, oh yeah, that was like a really good conversation. And I felt really seen and heard, but, um, but you know, then, you know, then we like don't see each other for a long time or you just, or you don't have people that you have that like vulnerable connection with. So it's mm -hmm. like, what is really great about coaching and what is really great about counseling is that like this, like, like I called my, um, I called my practice vivarium because like a vivarium is a, it's a, it's like an aquarium, but that holds and fosters life. So you can keep like lizards in it and stuff. And, um, the metaphor there is that like, oftentimes like when people come for counseling, like we're pretty tired. We have this thing that we've been like trying like a goal we've been trying to hit or like a problem that we've been trying to get past but it's like it's really hard to by yourself like wake up every day and be like I'm gonna like I'm gonna keep tackling this like very difficult topic that causes me a lot of like pain so like when um when you come to like a counseling or coaching session at least with me um what's really nice is like you're entering this environment that's familiar you're entering this like um you're entering this like interaction with like you know, like me who like, I don't know anything else about your life other than like what we talk about here. So like, you can like, you can tell me like whatever is comfortable to you. You can tell me like what you're going through. And like, I have like clients where we talk about, we kind of like talk about the same thing every week. And like, I, you know, when I was growing up, I used to think that that was somehow like something wrong. Like I wasn't making progress, but the way I see it now is it's like, it's like strength training and exercise. It's like, you know, if you have this big obstacle you have to get past, you can't just go and like move it. You sometimes have to like get up and like, you know, practice. Yeah, you have to, yeah, you're just like, I have to do some cardio so I can get strong enough to run up to it. And then some like exercise so I can feel good about lifting it. And then like, you know, so it's like it, so um, yeah, what I would definitely say is like really good about canceling and talking through this stuff is just, just like, 
like it really show it like it shows you that you're like invested in your own time and you're invested in your own growth um i'm there to just like you know to validate and like like you know support you through that and um and i don't know i think that pe- i think that like people have been seeing like really nice results because like and it also gives you the like it also gives you the opportunity like if you're busy and you're stressed it is a it is a whole pandemic so like mm-hmm. if you're busy and you're stressed and you have this thing that you know you want to work on but you can't, you know, you can't work on it every day. Like having like a counseling session and a place to work on that is also really nice because it's like, you don't have to have that in the back of your head all day, just being like, oh my gosh, I wanted to work on this, but I can't today. You can just be like, hey, I'm going to take this question. I'm going to talk about it in counseling. And in the meantime, I'm just going to kind of like live my life. And like a lot of people, um, yeah, a lot of people do find that like, that's something that is like that's more possible when you know you have that person who like you know kind of like vibes with you and is like on your same page and it like has a lot of space to like make for you and yeah so yeah I, I hope that answered the question <laughs> no it does and then it falls back on like the way that you're just approaching your counseling the the privacy the consistency the education and the non uh, the the no judgment zone yeah um so yeah i'm really glad that you're able to um create a space for folks to ask those questions, to seek that help, to navigate through uh, their sexual health concerns or challenges. Mm-hmm. So if you probably have seen like a lot of clients um, and there might be um, common themes or common trends, but is there anything that you would, um, any like piece of advice you'd give to someone who is trying counseling out for the first time? Yeah, okay, I have some good advice. Um, one, like, I think the most successful uh, journeys are led by the client. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people go into a counseling session with this expectation that they're going to be given instruction and be told how to do things. And they're going to be like, and they're going to be like pushed back on. Like a lot of people, um, like a lot of friends and like my, like my clients don't tell this to me like specifically, but like, um, but yeah, like I have a lot of friends come out of therapy and be like, well, like I just talked about my feelings. My therapist didn't even tell me what to do. And, um, that uh, they want like a, an action. Yeah. Response. Yeah. And like the nice thing about the nice thing about coaching versus like therapy is that like, if you are just looking for, like, if you're looking to like, if you're just like, my goal is to like learn more about sex and sexuality. And the way I want to do that is like read these books, but I can't, like, I can a hundred percent be that person for you who is just like, okay, we're reading this chapter today, discuss, like, what did we learn? So like, we can have that kind of interaction. But I think that like a lot of growth is really well done when like you, when you as a client, like come in and are just like open to sort of like seeing where you want to take the conversation and what feels important to you. So that's like, I think having an open mind about, um, and feeling like, and like having an open mind and, and understanding that your coach and your, or your counselor, like doesn't know who you are until you tell them. So like being open to like talking and like sharing, um the other thing I will say is to like give it a bit of time like the reason that consistency is one of my sort of like one of the things that I like I find important is because like a lot of people sometimes there's this idea that like I'll go to therapy when I'm feeling bad and then when I'm feeling good I won't Mm -hmm. and um, again like not a therapist but like I'll go to this is like from my own experience but like um yeah like I'll go and have a counseling session when I'm upset and it won't but you can I kind of think of that as the same way as like when you have those like fair weather friends like therapists and counselors can sometimes be like foul weather friends where like 
they never see you unless there's something wrong. But like, if you are able to, and like, obviously like resources are a big part of it. So like, if you like are able to find someone who's low cost, or if you're able to get it covered, then like, that's amazing. But like, if you are able to see and interact with your counselor in a few different ways. So like if your counselor knows you when you're sad, but then also knows you when you're feeling excited and hopeful and also knows when you're feeling scared, like that's something that um, also like promotes a lot of growth because then know that your counselor sees you not as like, like a, like, you know, a sad weepy person who's like never like, you know, but like they see you as a whole person with like a, like a varied amount of emotions. Yeah. yeah. That's like, I think that's like really good for, um, that's just like really good for clients because like, I think uh, like I've experienced this and I've, I've heard this from like friends and, and like clients and stuff where it's just like, oh yeah, I had this really big, like intense, like session and I cried and then it feels really good. And then the next week you're like not feeling that sad. So you're just kind of like, oh, well, am I doing something wrong by not having a breakthrough every session? So like when you can kind of give yourself that consistency of, and of understanding that like, hey, this isn't, my progress is not dictated on how I feel today. My progress is dictated on how much time I'm willing to commit to this. And the fact that I'm willing to set aside space for myself to grow. And like, that's the kind of thing that like, like when you have that consistency with yourself, um, it really does make growth like a lot easier because you're looking and you're just like, oh yeah, like even if I'm having a bad day or having a really good day, I'm still, I'm still taking care of myself and I'm still like, you know, I'm still invested in, um, in this journey. So, yeah. We love journeys. We love progress. We love a journey. Yeah. Uh, I, I think one of the hurdles for me personally with seeking, uh, therapy or counseling, we'll, we'll just switch all, all the words counseling from here on. Counseling. 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 Um, but definitely one of the barriers that I have experienced and faced with, uh, counseling. I, by deep, why now I'm just like overthinking every time I say therapy and counseling. I know. Oh my gosh. Okay. Here, let me just like really quickly. So the reason that I'm a coach and not a therapist is because, um, therapy is, uh, is like often prescriptive and it's like a, like a healthcare thing. Counseling is like more descriptive and it's more of like a lifestyle and wellness thing. So I'm not a doctor. So every time we say a therapist, then, um, that's someone else. Cause I'm not a doctor. That's someone else. I'm not, I never, I would never like, I'm never trying to tell someone that I, I'm never trying to convince someone that I'm a therapist because I'm specifically not a therapist on purpose. So anyway, but yeah, you are, <laughs> we're not a doctor. Not a doctor. I am not a doctor, <laughs> but yeah, you were saying like a barrier sometimes with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a barrier, and especially if we want to maintain that consistency, um, cost is definitely a barrier yeah. for folks, especially when, um, if they have like a certain amount of income, they typically want to funnel those resources to when they're at a low point. Yes, totally. um, and then when they're at a good point, they're like, oh, well, I don't need this anymore yeah. because it's pulling away from my income. Um, folks who might have an issue or like a barrier about cost, um, what would you recommend to them? Yeah. So this is a tough one. I literally, this was my whole thing with even getting into counseling. I was like, I feel so bad at charging and like mm -hmm. I my fee is $50 an hour and I just like it honestly like I've just been that person who's like I can't pay for this or I can't afford this and so the idea of me charging what feels to me like a lot of money um was a big hurdle for me because I was just like I was just like scared that people wouldn't want to pay it but like the reality is like 
so you kind of have to like you kind of have to be in a place where you're like where it's where like sort of that like continued growth is like something you want to do and then for me like the way I found it um is that like first of all there's a lot of people who will do like sliding scale and stuff. I, my, my charge, my hourly charge is 50. Um, but I have a place where if you are like, like low income, or if you're having a hard time, like you can let me know. And I, I, I go as low as like $35 an hour. And like, for me, like what I do is I, so like what I do is I basically, take my budget for like the, like the counseling and therapy that like I go to. And I, um, because it's like growth that like I want to do and I'm ready for, I've kind of like, I've kind of looked at the money I spend on it. And I sort of think about like what else I would spend that money on. And I just make, I make like a personal choice about like what like works for me because like for me, um, my like the the like therapy and counseling that I go to is something that like for me it hits a, an intersection of like recreation healthcare and um and like mental health stuff so for me I'm just like okay so I'm paying whatever however many like whatever let's say like a hundred dollars whatever I'm paying it like a hundred dollars for therapy and like for me like I I think I just have to, like, I just sort of, like, like, I look at that money, and I'm just, like, yeah, like, do I, do I want to spend this on this? Is this something, like, that I feel comfortable investing in, and, like, would I rather not? And, like, and I think that when I was just first starting out, I used to kind of go week by week, and I would go maybe once a month, because three weeks of the month, I'd be, like, I want to, I want to buy other stuff, I want to do it. But then, like, as time went on, and I kept, like, um, investing in it, I realized that, like, like, okay so for me like and I don't think this is like very fair because there's a lot of people who have like um there's a lot of people who have like income barriers that are like it's not the whole like if you just don't buy a latte then you can afford oh a lot <laughs> like so- uh, those are people yeah. in uh, positions of privilege that can yes. say that yes exactly so like I like for me like when I was doing a, like a personal budget about it um I was willing to pay that money because like for me, it saved the time of being on like a really long waiting list. It saved the, um, it let me choose who I wanted to go see because like, um, they're like POC do face a barrier of like, if you can't afford this, you have to go through like the government. Sometimes you're waiting for six months. Sometimes you get paired up with someone that you like super don't drive with. And then you have to wait another six months. So for mm-hmm. me, I was like, it is worth it for me to spend money on this because I'm saving a bunch of time and I'm, I'm allowing myself to have more of a choice. But if you don't have that option, there are so, so many amazing services. There's a service called Friends of Ruby um, where they'll put you on, um, uh, they'll like, you'll sort of talk about what you're feeling. They'll put you on a list and then they'll match you up with like a, a counselor. I think they give you eight free sessions. And um, yeah, That's so it's like, awesome. yeah. So it's like, I would definitely like, if you it was something that you were looking into, but you were having a really hard time with the money, I would hundred percent sign up for like, Sign up for as many like youth like like uh, like free services or like try and get it done through OHIP. And then while you're waiting for that to come through, um, sometimes it can be good to just like and I think also um, a counselor and like a life coach is a really good option because like if you are on a list for six months to talk to someone, but you have a little bit of extra money and you can afford something that's like 
lower cost than a therapist. It can be like having a session with like a counselor can be a way to be like, okay, I'm finally going to therapy. I want to get my money's worth. Like, what should we talk about? Like, what are we going to do? And it's like, you can kind of like use those tools together to like um, make your experience better. But um, yeah, there are, there are free options, but um, yeah, there are free options and definitely like take them up on it. And then other than that, like it is sort of just like, it is sort of like a decision that you have to, you, it's a decision that you have to kind of come to you and decide that it's right for you. And um, part of like my whole thing about like destigmatizing and stuff is that like, like talking about sex and your body and health, this, this is a lifetime journey, right? So anyone who's telling you that you have to get shit figured out right now, or anyone who's telling you like you're stopping yourself from having a fulfilling sex life, you're never going to be like, you have to do it right now. Like, that's just not true. Like you, like we do have access to our bodies, like, and our health throughout our whole lives. There's a lot of change that can happen. Um, there's a lot of change that can happen like at different stages in our life. Like you hear about people who like work office jobs for like 50 years. And then when they're 60, they decide to start walking and then they like, they figure it out. So it's like, there's no rush, but, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah. I free services and then also use, use like low cost options too when you can. And that is the end of the episode. Thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to connect further with Bethany, you can actually check out our episode next week where they have returned as a guest. Um, otherwise, you can follow them on their website at vivariumcoaching.com, V-I-V-A-R-I-U-M coaching.com. If you want to stay updated on the podcast and be notified as to when we release our next episode, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at OpenYTO. As well, if you enjoyed the music, be sure to follow Sophia Fly over at DJ Sophia Fly, DJ S O F I A F L Y. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a review and rate us. But other than that, we will see you in the next episode. Stay tuned and peace.